0: The Revelation of Jesus Christ is the last book in the Bible. It was also one of the last books that was added to the canon. And it is a book that is known, but unknown. It's a book that if we read through our Bibles once or twice a year, we get to revelation of who Jesus Christ really is. He came as the Lamb of God. He was looked forward to as the coming, atoning Lamb, to be given for all people, for every nation. He came as servant and Savior to mankind. But he rose again as a man, or was raised from the dead, as a man standing in our place. He had already hung on a cross in our place. And after three days, God raised him from the dead. And he was raised for us. And he stands before the Father in the throne as the Lamb of God. And his disciple John was given this revelation and had the privilege of being raised up to heaven and seeing these scenes of the risen lamb. And as we've said before, as we've gone through this study, the lamb is the focus of revelation. Most of us who have read through, we can hardly get through all the disasters and the terrible things that are described there. And we miss, I did. For years, I missed the fact that it's the lamb, the lamb, the lamb, the lamb, the lamb. He's the center of that book. And in this chapter, chapter 18 that we're going to be studying today, we're looking at, it's not really a study. It is trying to pull some of the things away that scare us and disturb us so that we can focus on the Lamb. And so I trust that that will be our focus this morning. Revelation of Jesus Christ. And a statement that we've read now for, I think it's 25 times. Let's read it again today. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and hear the things which are written in it, for the time is near. We've got that down now. And we're beginning to understand what this is all about. The hour of God's judgment. To stand under God's judgment. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority. And the earth was illumined with his glory. And he cried out with a mighty voice saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people! so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues. For her sins are piled up as high as heaven. Remember the Tower of Babel? What were they trying to do? And God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back, even as she has paid, and give back to her double according to her deeds. In the cup which she has mixed, Mix twice as much for her. To the degree that she has glorified herself and lived sensuously, to the same degree, give her torment and mourning. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I am not a widow, but will never see mourning. For this reason, in one day her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for the Lord God who judges her is strong. And the kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality and lived sensuously with her will weep and lament over her when they see the smoke of her burning, and standing at a distance because of the fear of her torment, saying, Woe, woe, the great city of Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth wept and mourned over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. Then I'm going to skip a few verses here. You can pick them up at home. They're relevant here. It looks like a shopping list at Tokyo department store. (laughs) The fruit you long for has gone from you and all things that were luxurious and splendid have passed away from you and men will no longer find them. The merchants of these things who became rich from her will stand at a distance because of the fear of her torment, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city! She who was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour such great wealth has been laid waste, and every shipmaster and every passenger and sailor and as many as make their living by the sea stood at a distance and were crying out as they saw the smoke of her burning saying, What city is like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads and were crying out, weeping and mourning saying, Woe, woe, for in one hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven. And you saints and apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced judgment for you against her." I had to read that several times myself. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. Okay? Then a strong angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will not be found any longer. And the sound of harpists and musicians and flute players and trumpeters will not be heard in you any longer. No craftsman of any craft will be found in you any longer. And the sound of a mill will not be heard in you any longer. And the light of a lamp will not shine in you any longer. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride will not be heard in you any longer. For your merchants were the great men of the earth because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and of all who have been slain on the earth. Lord, I pray that you would anoint these words and allow me to bring our attention to the right points and to the right focus in this very vital chapter, so that we understand where we stand in your covering, in your purposes, and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. In our outline, the hour of God's judgment, come out of her, my people. The Lord says, Whoa, whoa, the great city Babylon, the people say. Rejoice over her, O heaven. Judgment has come. Come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins. One of the things that I think we need to understand about this harlot, this woman of ill repute, this woman of sin, That she represents, not women, but she represents what Satan himself tried to do with the very first lady created by Father God in his temptation of her and drawing her away. Why? To be able to hook, and that's why we call them hookers, to hook the man whom she came out of and bring him down and bring down God's plan right from the very beginning. We need to understand that we're talking about women today. Most religions, most cultures have put women on a very, very low level. I believe that it's Christianity, it's Jesus Christ who has lifted women to the place where He calls those followers of Himself His bride, His sought-after one. That's the heart of the Father, that both men and women, it's not a war of sexes. We were designed as men and women to be a complement and to be a praise and a picture of God himself, the Godhead. And we live in a day and age where unisex or the whole idea of transgender or of changing gender is so, so, so ludicrous. It doesn't even make sense when we think of, well, I'm not a man. I'm a woman. Don't you see me? Don't you dare call me a man. How stupid. How we have been blinded. And yet our leaders are making laws. You cannot make them change their minds. If they say they're a woman, they're a woman. If they say they're a man, they're a man. But opposite, don't you touch that. And it'll soon be. I'm sure that you'll go to jail and you may even be put to death by calling some woman who says, I'm Mr. So-and-so or a man saying, I'm a woman because I feel like a woman. How crazy have we gotten? Satan has blinded us completely. I didn't choose this subject, nor did the world even choose this. It was ordained in terms of Satan's desire to take God's creation, his highest creation, and to destroy it. And we're not the first age or generation to face this. It was going on when Jesus walked on the earth. The Roman Empire was given to homosexuality and changing of gender. So. These are evil things to talk about. Nasty. Here in this place where we praise God and we worship Jesus Christ. To me, it's almost obscene for me to be speaking like this to you and for us to have our children listen to this. But you know, there's a Savior and He loves us dearly and He wants to bring us to Himself as He has created us. But there is an enemy who is treacherous and he would like to destroy everything that God has given us and make this his kingdom the way he wants it. Now, forgive me for saying this, but we are in a day and age when we are not free and we are about to be persecuted. We are about to be judged and we have to deal with it in terms of those who are in the church and are saying, we need to love one another. Satan even wants to destroy Sunday morning in the church where we cannot walk together. They say, you're not loving. You're not kind. And we have to face that. Are we really judging our brothers and sisters in Christ? This is a serious matter. And I want to focus on because I believe that our sense of who is a Christian and who is following Christ is being put out there and dare we say they're not Christians who do and espouse and stand up for the rights of those people who think they're a man or they think they're a woman when they're not. I believe it is love that will go with a person or go to a person like that and share the gospel with them clearly, truthfully, and overlook what they're participating in. You wouldn't do it with your children of putting poison on the table and say, go ahead and drink it. You wouldn't do that. But that's what's happening in some churches. We'll just accept anyone. And we do accept them, but we don't accept their ideas concerning transgender or gender issues. We don't. Because the Word of God does not condone it or approve of it. Love the sinner, but not their sin. And some people say, that is not in the Bible. That is not Scripture. But I think that it is a principle. I believe that this is an issue that we need to deal with. And this is the first time in four years that I've mentioned anything like this. But our passage today is talking about this, and that's not the only issue. So the first point is so that you will not participate in her sins. This is God's words pay her back double for her deeds, pay her back revenge retribution, a reward for evil that she has done. Psalm 137, 8 says, O daughter of Babylon, you devastated one. How blessed will be the one who repays you with the recompense. You have repaid us. Christians and followers of the living God were judged and died and laid their lives down for the principles of the Word of God. That's what we will face in this generation, I believe. Sobering. But we we must preach those things that the Word is preaching and teaching. We cannot water it down. As much as I would love to. For the Lord God who judges her is strong. What does that strength mean? He doesn't change. God never changes. He is righteous in all His ways and ever will be. That is who we give our allegiance to. That is who we trust. That is who we bring. Even those things that are in our own hearts of evil thoughts that come to us that are against godliness, against His holiness. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. He kept every bit of the law. And he loved the sinner. Why? Because he knew that that person needed to be redeemed and put in right position and relationship with the living God. And his compassion in his heart says, I will willingly go and die for your sin. I'll take it on myself. That is the gospel. He does that for us. He does that for me. He does it for you. He does it for every man, woman, and child. That's what it means to be a Christian. To be like Christ. So we see these people, we hear these people, we meet these people. Personally, to be very honest with you, I just would like to turn around and run away. But because of Jesus Christ, I can stand there and share with them the love of Jesus for them and speak it truthfully. I might not be able to fully love them, but Jesus can through me and you. It's possible, but not at the expense of saying, well, it doesn't matter. Yes, it does matter because this chapter of the Bible talks very, very pointedly to it. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. You got that? We're moving in. He's moved in. And He will reign forever and ever. We give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. And the time to reward your bondservants the prophets and the saints have come. And the world cries out, Whoa, whoa, the great city of Babylon. What does this great city represent? Who is this woman? It's interesting that uh, it talks about the kings and the merchants and every shipmaster and standing at a distance because of the fear of the woman's torment when she's thrown down for in one hour she has been laid waste you see these three parenthesis verses there it's uh, the kings and then in verses 11 15 and 23 it talks about the merchants 17 it talks about shipmasters and sailors verses 10 15 and 17 talks about standing at a distance because of the fear of her torment and then 10 17 and 19 verses, for in one hour she has been laid waste. What is it speaking of? What is Revelation talking about there? One of the things that President Trump is praised for by most Americans is that the stock market is very, very high right now. I think there's probably not a one of you who is investing money You are participating in what is being talked about here in these verses. The stock market, whether it's the American stock market or it's here in Japan, that's a very, very big deal for all of us. We're all participating in this in one way or the other. Last week, we talked about the mark of the beast having a certain number on your forehead so that you could buy and sell. This chapter is talking about the harlot, the woman. And that is about the stock market, about commerce. These words that we've got right here in front of us, the kings, the merchants, shipmasters. Do you know how much goods are traveling around the world right now? Tons and tons and tons and tons of merchandise and ships going back and forth across the oceans with goods for who and for what purpose. Now, I'm not saying that the stock market is bad or that that system is bad, but the Bible is talking that way. If you own stocks, you're participating. Now, you might think, "Uh uh-oh. Pastor Ron has stepped over the line. (laughs) We're participating, but you know what? You better be aware of the fact that you not put your trust in that stock. Go ahead. I guess you could say, waste your money because eventually it's going to be, whoa, whoa, whoa. And we've been participating. And the Bible calls it, a harlot, immorality. But we've got to feed our families. That's the basis of what our world economy is right now. You can't separate yourself from it. It's impossible. How many of you have got monopoly money in your wallet right now? (laughs) When I was a kid during the summer vacation, my brother and I would play, we would actually keep a Monopoly game going for a couple of weeks <laughs> just by borrowing so that we could play the game for two weeks or so. Well, you can play Monopoly and spend about two or three hours playing the game, right? How many have played Monopoly? You're all guilty. <laughs> I knew I could bait you. but. Yes, it has a fascination to us. Even those little red hotels and I would buy hotels as fast as I could. (laughs) My brother didn't catch on to my tricks. The thing is, this is not a game. This is not a game. And I'm not saying that if you've got stock or even if you are a manager of stock, at some point he's going to have to let it go. That's what Revelation says. So what are you trying to say, Pastor? Is sin, sin? Is being a friend of a harlot or of a transgender person a sin? I don't believe so. As long as you don't let them think it's okay. And if you're not faithful to them as their Christ-believing friend, and just saying, you know, I pray for you in your situation. Jesus does love you, and I love you. We can do that in Christ, and that's what he calls us to. That's what he came to do. And when he sat with his friends, and a harlot came in and wept on his feet and wiped his feet with her hair, They said, whoa, look at that man. He's not a holy man. To allow a woman to do that. Jesus could do it. And in his power, and his love, we can do it too. But it says, in one hour, she has been laid waste. It says it three times. Ezekiel said, and all those that handle the oar, sailors and all pilots of the sea shall go down from their ships to the earth and they shall stand and they shall cause their voices to be heard against you. And they shall cry out bitterly and they shall throw dust upon their heads and roll in ashes. The stock market, the stock market has fallen. Babylon has fallen. And it says, for in one hour she has been laid waste. Then heaven and earth and all that is in them will shout for joy over Babylon for the destroyers will come to her from the north, declares the Lord. Declares the Lord. But here the mode changes. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. Do you know what that means? Do you understand? A few weeks ago, we talked about the wrath of God as opposed to the wrath of man. And the wrath of God is not based upon his feelings. It's based upon his righteousness. And so when his wrath comes against sin, against my sin, against your sin, against the sin of those people we're talking about now, It's not in rage and anger. It's coming because of his righteousness and his justice and his mercy to all those who repent. That is the gospel. That is what it says to us who have embraced Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Then a strong angel took a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, so will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will not be found any longer. A millstone. Do you know what a millstone is? It was one of the first machines that man ever invented. It was a machine. It was a flat stone with grooves on the bottom laid on another flat stone and it had a hole in the middle where you poured the grain in and the grain came out, the wheat or the barley, and it came out as beautiful flour that you can make banana bread. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the first machines that man invented. But Jesus spoke about someone who offended children. He said you should have a a millstone tied about his neck and thrown into the sea for offending one of these little ones. God's judgment is righteous based on his character of righteousness and holiness. That's what we come for. And the sound of the mill will not be heard in you any longer. The sound of the mill. What does that bring to mind in a picture? The sound of a mill. What is that? To me, it's a factory. One of the first jobs I had was in a strawberry processing plant as a high school student. And there was machines buzzing around. And you had to be 16 years old in order to be able to work around machinery according to the California state laws. And I just had turned 16 that winter. And that summer, I got my first job, and my first paycheck. No, I didn't take it to the stock market and I bought a car. But the the thing about factories is they're called mills. Probably here in Japan, you have a union or an association called the, the mill rights. It could be a carpenter. It could be a machinist, somebody that works in a factory. There's lots of factories in Japan. You know there there used to be lots of factories in in Japan now they're in China but we know what mills are they're factories and that's what this is talking about it's talking about our economic system and that is what is coming in Revelation that's what we're being told is coming upon us and we need to see her we need to see commerce as a prostitute or a harlot. That is what the Bible is indicating. If I'm wrong, please send me an email. If, if I'm making too much of this, come and talk to me about it. We're participating in it, but we're not part of it. And when it comes to the day when they say, okay, put the number on my hand or on my forehead, are we going to be able to say, No. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Yes, I know what that means to my family. Yes, I know what that means to my brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to have to face it someday, folks. But it says, rejoice. Well, it started point A. Come out of her. Come out of her. Realize the judgment that is upon her, and rejoice over her. How many Christians are working today in mills as slaves? Millions of people are in bondage. Lord, we just pray, save us from this generation. Keep us in our thinking and understanding that you are the great God, full of mercy, full of love, but righteous altogether. We thank you that you have redeemed us. You have bought us. We are yours. And we bow before you. Forgive us where we have compromised or embarrassed or shy or have not spoken concerning Jesus Christ and our love and our adoration of Him because of intimidation in the workplace, at school, in our neighborhoods. Oh Lord, put steel within us that we be strong to stand in the day that surely we will be called to as we see the time coming. And I want to thank you, Father, for the myriads of myriads of people, brothers and sisters who have stood for Jesus Christ over the centuries, even those here in Japan who gave their life on even crosses here in Japan because they were Christian. Oh, Lord, help us. The forces are too strong. But in your name, for your glory, for the sake of our brothers and sisters in Christ, we stand as one and make us to be men and women of integrity and able to face the pressure and the intimidation and the threats and the realities of losing everything that we have. We love you we follow you. You are our Savior and Lord, and we are eternally grateful to you for giving us eternal life. Thank you that we can praise you and worship you and lift our voices freely here in this place, but for us not to take it for granted or that it will be here forever. This is not our home. Thank you for that hope and for that understanding. In Jesus' name, amen.